Today is a message of encouragement. It's been tough. We've had lockdowns. We've got the news of mandates coming. People have lost their job. People have gotten sick. People have had to make all kinds of movements and rearrangements. People have moved cities, states, schools. We had lockdowns in our churches last year. And there's other disappointments too. You know, I've talked about Traditionis Custodis, the motu proprio of Pope Francis, moving to restrict the traditional Latin Mass. I have a friend in Houston who's affected by that. Uh, of course, they reduced the Latin Masses in Houston. These things are discouraging. And I think it comes from the church and the state. I think about 40 to 45% of my audience is outside the United States of different situations in different countries, Australia being extreme, horrible what's going on in Australia. But we feel disappointment. We feel discouragement from the church and the state. The church and the state. I just asked that in the live chat before I went live. Do you feel more, most discouraged by the church or the state? Most people are saying both. Um, for me personally, it's more the church, but I, I got to say also it's both. And there's people who are making decisions about our health care, about our children's schools, uh, your medical decisions, your insurance. Um, and, you know, these affect people in a variety of ways. Maybe you have health problems. Maybe you need to travel to see family. Maybe you need to travel to see work. Maybe there's people who have been planning pilgrimages to the Holy Land of Rome for 10 years. They saved up and that can't happen. Small business owners, shutdowns. Um, and th in the spiritual realm, we got people can't get married, weddings delayed, baptisms delayed, losing uh, their mass, losing their priest, losing the traditional Latin mass. And now there's talks of passports and mandates. And to top it all off, to put a cherry on top, Catholics are fighting each other. So today I'm going to give 10 reasons to have courage. There's probably more than 10 reasons, but I'm going to go through 10 reasons to give you a message of encouragement. <clears throat> okay, so before we do that, I'm going to invite us all to pray because prayer, as you'll see as we get into this, really is the most important. It is your lifeline with God. You know, you can't talk to any politician. You can't talk to the Pope right now. You can, can't talk to a celebrity, but you can talk to God right now. And so we are going to address him through Jesus Christ. We'll pray the Our Father together, the Pater Noster, Oremus. In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celi, sanctificetur nomen Tuum, adveniat regnum Tuum, fiat voluntas Tua, sicut in Celo et in Terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odiae, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos amalo. Amen. And Eternal Father, we ask that you would please send the Holy Ghost upon us through your Son, Jesus Christ, that he would give us the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that he would give us the virtue of fortitude. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. Nomine Patris, et Fidei, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, lots of reasons to be discouraged. I went through about 
I probably went through about 10 reasons to be discouraged and why we are discouraged. Here are 10 reasons to be encouraged. This morning, as I was drinking my coffee, I was going through the readings uh, in the traditional lectionary for the traditional Latin Mass. And the first reading uh, was from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read that and make some comments along the way. And it's St. Paul talking. And St. Paul says, For I think that God has set forth us apostles, the last, as it were men appointed to death. Let me pause here. Paul, the apostle, is saying, We apostles are men appointed to death. Why are they men appointed to death? Because of what they did wrong? No, because of what they did right. They are witnesses to the teaching and life of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ. And as witnesses to those truths, establishing the church at the very beginning, Paul says they are appointed to death. Let me read on. We are made a spectacle to the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, you are strong. You are honorable, but we are without honor. Even unto this hour, we both hunger and thirst, are naked and buffeted and have no fixed abode. And we labor working with our hands, but we are reviled and we bless. We are persecuted and we suffer it. We are blasphemed and we entreat. So Paul's saying he's an apostle, right? He's sitting like right in that upper realm of the court of heaven. You know, there's our Lord Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father, our Lady seated at his right hand, and then there's the 12 tribes of Israel and the apostles, he says, are sitting on those. He's right there front row, and yet he's being blasphemed. He's being called a fool. He's being reviled. He says, we have made as the refuse of this world the off-scouring of all, even until now. I write not these things to confound you, but I admonish you as my dearest children. So, the earliest Christians and the apostles were appointed to death. And think about this, brothers and sisters, Christians. In 2021, even with all of these problems, and they are hard, we still have it better than all the Christians for the first 300 years. Let me qualify that. They at least had, you know, the, the bishops and the priests and the lay people were so strong in their faith. They were martyrs. They suffered. It was the catacombs church. So in a way, they were more blessed because they had this fervency and proximity to saints. But when we look at, I mean, comforts in life, when we look at ease, we have it so much easier than they did. Paul also says in Hebrews 12, Four. Let me put this on the screen for you. Paul says, For you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. He's saying, I mean, we have to remember that when you are baptized, built into it, in the fine print is, and the faith that we just recited over you in baptism, that you affirmed either yourself personally or through a godparent, you will die for it. You will resist unto blood. That's part of the deal. 
we haven't, at least in America, there's other places, China, Africa, well, I guess some in Europe too, who have had to shed their blood for Christ. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. So we can't be too discouraged. Number two, we gain a kingdom. We gain a kingdom. The worst they can do to us is what they did to the earliest saints. Uh, tie you on to an iron, gridiron, and burn you to death. Cut your head off. Um, stab you. Shoot arrows into you. These are the worst things they can do. But we gain a kingdom. Here is the second reading from today's traditional lectionary. It's from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Christ our Lord says, Fear not, little flock, for it hath pleased your Father to give you a kingdom. Notice three things here. He says, don't be afraid. Recurring throughout the Bible. Number two, little flock. His flock is little. We could unpack that more, but he calls his flock little. And number three, he gives you a kingdom. And we know it's Catholic dogma. If we suffer for the kingdom, if we lay down our lives as martyrs for the kingdom, we get a greater share in the kingdom. Then Christ says, Sell what you possess and give alms. Make to yourselves bags which grow not old, a treasure in heaven which faileth not, where no thief approacheth, nor moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So our fear problem, our anxiety problem, is we have misallocated our treasure. If we have our treasure, most of our treasure in our heart is set here in this life, we will be afraid. He says, fear not, and then he goes through the process of fear not. And it's setting your treasure in heaven. So I think part of being encouraged, and by the way, I get discouraged. Part of this video is me coaching myself. Part of, part of being encouraged and not being afraid is realizing that the kingdom that we gain is in heaven. It's in the next life. And that not being afraid is putting our treasure, putting our value, allocating all of that there and not here. That takes away fear. Number three, you are rich in that you have the Catholic faith. So be encouraged that you have the Catholic faith. I don't think maybe all Catholics appreciate this. I was a Protestant, and so I know what it's like to live with just basically Jesus and the Bible. Catholics, we have the Rosary, we have the Blessed Virgin Mary. I mean, the Rosary and the Blessed Virgin Mary are some of the greatest consolations that I have in life. But we also have sacramentals like holy waters and a crucifix. We can go into the real presence at church. All of these are great consolations, and they should give you encouragement. Christ gave us the seven sacraments, but I heard a priest once say that Christ also, he had like a giant, it's a metaphor, he has a giant like uh, sack full of jewels, rubies, and topaz, and diamonds, and gold, and all these precious things, and he walks through life, and out of that, it's like a hole in the bottom of the sack, they fall out onto the pathway. 
And if we follow Christ, we're in his path, along the way, we are given a ruby, an emerald, a gold coin. And these, the priest said, are the sacramentals. They're the liturgical year. They're the devotions that he, he drips out upon his people as gifts. He, doesn't, he gave us the seven sacraments. He died on the cross for us, but he also continues to give us these jewels along the way. And being a Catholic, you have those. So if you're not picking them up, yes, you're going to be discouraged. Part of knowing that you're following the footsteps of Jesus is that you see that he's left uh, holy water for you, the rosary, novenas, feast days. Celebrate them. Pick them up. Enjoy them. That is encouragement. And then ask yourself, would I rather have nothing and be poor or be in prison and have the one true Catholic faith? Or would I rather be a billionaire chic living in Abu Dhabi with a mansion and fancy sports cars and all these things and not have the true faith? The answer is A. We would rather have no freedom and be poor, but have the one true faith. Because that means we have Jesus. And he's all that matters. The whole world and universe were made through him. Number four. Fourth reason to be encouraged. 2020 and 2021 are hard. I did a poll. It's still, if you're in the live chat, there's a poll right now. And I said... Are you more or less discouraged in 2021 as you were in 2020? I think most, I think it was around 60% when I looked at it, said they're more discouraged in 2021 than they were in 2020. But there are still many hidden joys in this trouble. For example, our family, starting in 2020, we started to cook together more. Uh, we started to do our own education. We got more into catechism and catechesis. We started playing together more. Um, our eight children started to grow closer. I think they're closer now than they were a year and a half ago or two years ago. Uh, and these are good memories. They're small things, but part of the trouble leads to good things however small. And I think if we focus on that and realize, okay, well, I am more generally discouraged about politics in the church this year than I was last year. Yeah, but aren't there, aren't, hasn't those negative things caused you to appreciate things even more? For example, do you appreciate the mass even more? Do you appreciate good priests who didn't compromise they continued to hear confession. They continued to say mass. They continued to give the sacraments and you were blessed by them. Be thankful in those things. Number five, reason to be encouraged. This kind of goes back to, to um, point number one. 2 Timothy 3.12 All that live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Let me put this one on the screen too. Just a moment. Let's see if this will work real quick. Yes, there it is. All that live 
godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So all means all. All means all. Everyone watching this and everyone not watching this, if you try to live for Jesus Christ, you will suffer persecution. Persecution comes inside the church and outside the church. Historically, most persecution is outside the church. It's the enemies of Christ. It is the Caesars. It's Nero. It is uh, Julian the Apostate. It is Napoleon. I guess in a way he's inside since he's baptized. But there's also persecution inside the church. A great example of that is Padre Pio, St. Pio, who is restricted. That's the confusing part, I think, is when you're persecuted by your own people. It's a mystery, and it requires greater patience, greater godliness. But it's also important just to go back to the verse right there on the screen. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You will. So any of us who are baptized and say, I live for Jesus Christ, I follow scripture and tradition in the magisterium of the church. This is who I am. This is the number one thing in my life. We have to accept that we will be persecuted. We will suffer. That applies to you. It applies to your grandparents who are Christian, your children who are everyone who's baptized. Everyone says, I am a Catholic. The church is my mother. Persecution comes your way. It's part of the deal. So to think that we can live for Christ and live an 85-year life and not be persecuted for Christ is delusional. It's against the Bible. It is not the teaching of Scripture. We have to teach ourselves and we have to teach our children, you will be persecuted for being a Catholic. My personal take on this is one of the reasons why we are in such a bad shape as Catholics in 2021 is it got into the, our minds in the 1950s that if we just go along and get along with secular society and Protestant society, then we won't be persecuted. We'll be accepted. That's a delusion. We have to realize if we stand up and say, whatever decade it is, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, 70s. No, contraception is wrong. No, abortion is wrong. No, it is wrong to have denominations. There can only be one church, not many churches. You know, we can't pretend that all these churches are the true church. If we go and say those things, we will be persecuted. But no one wanted to say those things in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And here we are. Now it's being mandated against us. So we will be persecuted. So being persecuted is part of the deal. And I think just accepting that fact is encouragement. That's why it's number five. Number six, regarding intramural Catholic wars. If you're on social media, you'll realize that a lot of people who say they're Catholic and who are Catholic throw bombs at each other tear each other down, say names. I'm not talking about constructive criticism. And in reality, this is brothers and sisters fighting each other. I have eight kids. I have four sons. I have a brother. I've seen some fights. I've been in some fights. My brother and I, sadly, we love each other to death, but we have throw, thrown punches at each other. 
my best friend growing up, we've had some fights. But for my brother, I would do anything. I would die for him. I don't even know what we were fighting about that time. But I would die for him. And in the reign of the Antichrist, if we are all huddled together, corralled into a FEMA camp, and we're waiting to be shot, waiting to be executed, you better believe that we're all going to be praying for each other and encouraging each other and blessing each other and aiding one another. So I would say the squabbling, the sibling rivalry is bad. It needs to go away. Go away. People need to bite their tongue. Be the bigger man. But squabbling is there. It's been in the church. I'm not trying to excuse it. It's been there for 20 centuries. There were, if you read the epistles of St. Paul, there's some squabbling going on in the early church. It's part of it. But I think deep down we know, again, if we're in the FEMA camp, if we're in the, in the concentration camp and they're all taking us to martyrdom, we're all united shoulder to shoulder. And that's encouraging. Deep down, the, the flow of sanctifying grace into our hearts from Christ, the head, the king, unites us. Even when there's this pettiness and this rivalry and this jealousy and fighting. Number seven. Most of us are taking our faith, our Catholic faith, more seriously now than we were back in, say, 2019. We are more practicing. We are reading more, reading Bible, reading catechism, reading the saints. We are praying more. We're praying the rosary daily. Some of us are going to Mass every day. Some of us have improved our marriages. Some of us have made better decisions for our children and where they're going to be educated and where they're going to go to school. So when you look at those things, which are the ones that matter the most, I think for a lot of us, we're actually many stair steps up from where we were in 2019. And in God's book, that's a win. You know, God allows in the Old Testament plagues and wars and famines and punishments, and he does it because he desires the hearts of his people to turn to him and to know him. I don't want to theologize our current situation, but I think for many of us, our hearts have reoriented closer to Christ than they were three years ago because of all this going on. And that's a win. And since it's a win, be encouraged. That's why number seven is we are taking our faith more seriously than we were just even three years ago. Number eight, the gray area is going away. It's receding. We're blessed now to know where politicians, governments, states, city councils, school boards, media companies stand. All the social pressures, all the medical pressures has really shown who's who on the landscape. And I think probably the people that benefit the most from this, the receding of the, of the, the gray area and things becoming more black and white, more polar, the ones that benefit the most, I think, are our children. Because now we see what they were 
teaching or wanting to teach, what their agenda was for our children, not just in public schools, but in private schools, and yes, even in Catholic schools. The blinders are off. So many people think, well, my kid, I pay all this money. I pay 30000 a year to send my kids to Catholic school. Obviously, it's Catholic, and they're going to become Catholic. And then now we realize, because of everything going on, may not be the case. You may be throwing $30,000 a year into a school that's teaching your children things that are contrary to the faith, contrary to a sound government, a sound culture of life and of purity. So number eight, we can be, the encouragement here is we can be grateful that the businesses, government, school boards, politicians, that perhaps we, and, and bishops, sadly to say, parishes, schools, apostolates, ministries that we trusted or we thought, well, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Now we're like, oh, now I know. Now I know. That's number eight. Number nine, new priorities. And those priorities are people. Joy and I, my wife and I, have seen, have learned over the past couple of years, mainly the last year, that our biggest treasure, our biggest assets are our family. That is she, me, the eight kids, and then our parents, our siblings, and then our, our close circle of family. I mean, of, of friends, not just acquaintances, you know, people you see, you know, once a month or, but your true friends, you know, these are the people when you get sick, you know, they're calling you, they're bringing you food, they're, you know, when things are rough for your family, they're there to listen to you, they're there to help you, to counsel you, they don't abandon you, they stay with you all the way, they're not using you. That's your true treasure, that's your your asset in this life. You know, you can have a huge portfolio, you can have real estate, you can have a sack of gold in your safe. Um, you can have all kinds of supplies for prepping and water. And many of these things are good, but people that you can trust that are close to you are better than all these things. They're the best. And it's important for your emotional well-being and for your preservation that you have family and friends. And it's an investment. Uh, family. Just because you're related by blood doesn't mean it's all good and all legit all the time. Family is is work. Friends are work. You have to invest in them. They don't just come. It's hard to say, well, I just don't have any friends. You have to make the effort. You have to invest in it. So running the rat race getting a bigger house, getting a, trying to buy the newest car, which you can't even get anyway because there's no microchips from China. Trying to get the bigger this and the better that is a dead end. It doesn't really make you happy. Thomas Aquinas talks about that uh, at the beginning of Prima Secunde. It's in Proverbs. It's all over the Bible. Christ teaches it. But what does help you along the way are those assets of family and friends. People are what you need. And then number 10, the last one, live and appreciate today. I know this sounds like a Hallmark card, sounds sentimental, but it comes 
this teaching, not a sentiment, it's a teaching, it's a doctrine, is taught by Christ. He says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry for itself. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Or the Dewey Rames, which I love, reads this way. Be not therefore solicitous for tomorrow, for the, for the morrow will be solicitous for itself. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Every day, Jesus says, has evil in it. He says, Christ, infallible, says, sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Every single day you're going to have in this life is going to have some evil in it. Can't escape it. Overcome that every day and don't worry about the next day's evil and the next day's evil is what he says. You could get cancer. You could lose your child. You could have a major accident. You could lose your hand. I could play this game all day long. I could say this could happen to you. You could, this could, you can work yourself into a frenzy of all the horrible things that could happen. But there's that great quote from Mark Twain that says, I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened. I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened. So just let that go. Yes, there are dangers and bad things that we have to strategize for. Do we need to discuss? Yes. Do we need to have meetings and look into the future? Yes. Do we have to pray about the future? Yes. Do we have to strategize about the future? Discuss it. Uh, give input. Make constructive criticism. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not saying be a quietist. Quietism is a heresy in the Catholic Church. Quietism teaches God is in charge. God is sovereign. So I'm going to do nothing because God does everything. That's called quietism. It's wrong. Don't be that. It's a heresy. We do have to be active. Faith and works. We are justified by faith and works. James 2, chapter 2, verse 20 through 22. Faith and works. But that doesn't mean that we get to borrow worry and think about all the evil things. Well, what if I get this cancer? Or what if my child gets run over tomorrow? Or what if I get in a car wreck and I lose both my feet? And on and on and on. Mm. Got to let that go. And it goes back to point encouragement point number two. We gain a kingdom. Technically, anything that happens to you if you keep faith, hope, and charity in Jesus Christ, no matter what happens to you randomly or people impose or do on you, if you keep that lifeline of grace, faith, hope, and charity with Jesus Christ, you gain a kingdom. You gain a kingdom. And this life is short, 80 years, 90 years. Maybe you're going to make it to 100. I hope I don't make it to 100. Well, it's God's will, I'll be 100. But eternity is a hundred times 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 infinity. It just keeps on going. So that means you put your treasure there, not here. Here's some closing advice. Make some human connections. Call a friend. Call a family member. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Get to know good Catholic priests. I would say get to know at least two of them. And I would say get to know one in-state and one out-of-state. We don't know where things are going. Get to know a priest. You don't have to be all weird and be like, hey, will you be my priest friend or whatever? Just get to know him. Say, hey, Father, I'm praying for you. 
Hey, is there anything you need? Uh, can we bring you dinner? Would you like to come over for dinner? Whatever. Make the connection. Is it going to take work and investment? Yeah, do it. Same thing with your family. Same thing with your friend. And one easy thing you can do, here's another piece of advice, is maybe over this weekend, today's Friday, get your phone out and text five important people in your life and just say something like this. Dear brother, really appreciate you. I was thinking about you today and just want to say you're a blessing to me. God bless you. Let's get together sometime. Love me. Do that five times. See what happens. I'd also say this Sunday, get to Mass early. You know, we're always talking about, I'm going to lose the Mass. What if they lock down? What if they have passports and I can't go? What if they take away the traditional Latin Mass? Okay, go to Mass early and spend some time before the Blessed Sacrament praying. And then after Mass, make a thanksgiving that you were able to go to Mass. You see, let's, let's appreciate what we have today. They might take it away in the future, so let's appreciate it now, right? How do you make a Thanksgiving after Mass? There's lots of different ways. There's all kinds of prayers in the back of the Missal. Um, I like to pray the prayers in the back of the Missal, uh, especially the red little book. They have There's a prayer um, of St. Thomas Aquinas after communion. I like that prayer a lot. There's also one of Bonaventure. Um, and then I also like to say 10 Hail Marys, basically a decade of the rosary before I leave the church after Mass. Just spend time thanking God for it. Of course, pray the rosary every day. Pray the rosary every day. The popes have said it. The saints have said it. The Blessed Virgin Mary Theotokos herself said it in 1917. Pray the rosary every day. I'll say it to my last breath. Kids, if you're watching this, inscribe it on my tombstone. Pray the rosary every day. Keep on praying. And if you're confused on how to pray the rosary, I did a 14-part series about three weeks ago here on the YouTube podcast on why should you pray the rosary? Is the rosary too much Mary, not enough Jesus? Um, what are the prayers? How do you use the beads? Um, the different decades, answering questions, all the prayers in Latin. If you want to do it in Latin, you can do it in vernacular. And then uh, the whole rosary in Latin, if you want to learn that as well. Pray the rosary every day. Trust me. It's going to encourage you. It's going to be a blessing. Pray as a family every day and pray in public. Uh, just today, I was at lunch with my wife. It was noon. My phone went off. Angelus. We prayed the Angelus in the restaurant, in the booth. What happens if the waiter comes? I don't know. He can wait. He can go back to the kitchen. You pray in public. You pray for your meals before and after. You pray the Angelus. We need to pray in public. It's part of taking up space. Pray as a family. Pray. All right. Those are the 10 points of encouragement. Hopefully it gives you a little encouragement. Maybe some of those points, maybe some of the advice, I don't know. Be joyful. St. Paul says rejoice. Again I say rejoice. Paul's like, I got to tell you twice. Rejoice. Again I say rejoice. All right, so be encouraged and we're going to close and we're going to pray the Hail Mary. And we're going to pray the Hail Mary for all those who are suffering. Oremus nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunc et mortis nostre. Amen. And for all the good things and blessings in our life right now, we thank God, saying, Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicuterat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. 
Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Peter, pray for us. St. Paul, pray for us. All holy priests, pray for us. Nomine Patris, et Fidei, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, friends. Thanks for watching today. If you liked the video, of course, give it the thumbs up, like, uh, please share it on Facebook, and subscribe and hit the bell to be notified of future shows. Until next time, remember our Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty, be joyful, and be encouraged. Ave Maria.